0: This is the Thrive Podcast, episode 188, where I interview Meg Sutton of Bell & Union and talk about the realities of running a brick and mortar biz. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers just like you create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hello there Maker Jess here and welcome to another episode of the show today I have an interview for you with the lovely Meg Sutton of Bell and Union and uh, we're going to talk a lot about how she started her business which was launching at a wholesale trade show and how her business has evolved through selling online and to this point in time now where she has a brick and mortar shop in um, San Antonio Texas. And how that journey kind of went for her and the challenges and realities and joys of having an actual brick and mortar shop. So if you are like most of us, you've probably had a dream somewhere in the back of your mind that one day you might have a, a real shop, uh, a brick and mortar shop somewhere. And, uh, you know, in this climate where everybody seems to be moving to buying online, it seems a little bit of a challenge these days to open a brick and mortar. So we talk a lot about that. We talk about, um, yeah, the pros and cons and the, the challenges that that. Uh, she has faced and it's really interesting she's a great guest so I hope you enjoy this episode but before you do I'm guessing that if you're listening to this you are probably either already selling online or thinking about selling online And if that is the case, I just want to make sure you have not missed my free workshop, 10 Essential Keys to Successfully Sell Handmade Products Online. It's about half an hour long uh, free video workshop where I outline these 10 essential keys to selling online. So you can get access to that right now. Just head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash 10. So that's One zero, createandthrive.com forward slash one zero and you will get access to that workshop i hope you enjoy it it just outlines the things that you really need to get right if you are going to sell successfully online so i want to make sure that you have all of those keys in place to unlock the door of successful online selling so don't miss it all right, let's dive into this interview with Meg Sutton from Bell Union. Welcome to the show, Meg.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's awesome to have you come on and chat about your business journey, which has been going for quite a while. When did you kick off Bell & Union?
1: Um, so we launched in May of 2012, so it's been going on seven years.
0: That's awesome. And... For those who who are listening who don't know about you and your business, could you give me a little intro into how it all got started?
1: Sure. Um, So I've never quite nailed down that whole elevator pitch thing, but I will do
0: (laughs) my my very best. You've got to be Uh, more time here.
1: That's okay. Oh, good. I've always terrified that I'll end up meeting one of the sharks from Shark Tank or something like that, and I will (laughs) truly be in trouble for not having that nailed down. Um, But I had worked at a little boutique in college, and that's where I kind of, in love with the art of letterpress Um, she had a whole selection of beautiful greeting cards and uh, it was just my happy place it was a place to escape uh, while I was in school Um, I was studying graphic design um, but at the time it was much more focused on um, very corporate design you know Mm -hmm. we were trained to go into advertising and that sort of thing and it was just probably not the right fit for me Mm -hmm. Um, I did uh, graduate and do the dutiful Uh, child thing and went and got a big girl job (laughs) and worked at an ad agency uh, for about a year. Uh, Quite frankly, I hated it. Mm I hated every minute of it. Um, it, Stylistically, it was just not a fit for me. Uh, I loved the people. I just didn't love the design. Um, I love being able to draw things by hand and really kind of, you know, get my fingers dirty sort of thing. And it was much more Photoshop driven, mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better word. Um, so it just didn't quite jive. Um, I started doing wedding invitations on the side, as most graphic designers, I think, do <laughs> at some point in their career, uh, just as an outlet. Um, and it got to the point where that essentially became a second full-time job for me. Um, so I do the advertising agency thing by day. And then at night, I was doing these wedding invitations. And at some point, I think my husband finally just said, you know what, you've got to pick one. It's too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I had known about the national stationery show in New York city. Um, so I decided to go walk it and see if maybe there was a place for me, uh, in the industry because I I had such a love of cards. Um, so I went and walked, let's see the first time in 2009. And that's really when my eyes were kind of open to the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was still in school at the time. Um, But then I went back in 2011 really with the mindset of, okay, can I do this? Is this realistic? Um, I remember crying on the steps of the Javits (laughs) Convention Center because I I felt like I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. um, more than I did when I got there. And um, my friend who was with me said, well, it's because you already knew you could do this. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really just the catalyst that I needed. Um, So I went home uh, back to Savannah, Georgia at that time. Uh, Quit my job at the ad agency (laughs) with my husband's blessing um, and started working on a collection and we launched at that very same stationary show just a year later.
0: Wow, that's Exciting and
1: so you worked for that year
0: on that collection Did you like did you have an online presence or anything like that? Were you building up any sort of networks or? uh, doing any marketing
1: before the show? No, I okay. was, the, <laughs> I was the crazy person that just uh, dove in head first. Really, that show was kind of my debut mm-hmm. uh, to the industry. Um, you know, a lot of designers, they'll start out, you know, with a little Etsy shop or, or something yes. like that. And then so they they start with the retail, and then they go to the wholesale. I did it completely opposite. I went straight for the kill <laughs> and went the wholesale first. Um, but you know, I think that's just maybe been my mentality about a lot of things. It's mm-hmm. just kind of, Dive in and, and hope for the best. Uh, I'm definitely a planner by nature, though, so it's it's kind of funny the way that things add up. Um, but yeah, so that was really our big launch. Uh, we had sent out some pre-show mailers, um, probably about a month before the show, to like my dream stores, right? Um, but beyond that, really, we didn't do any kind of marketing.
0: So at this time, were you still kind of doing the wedding invitations to keep money coming in while you were planning this launch of kind of the new
1: brand? <laughs> Yes, I yep. was still doing those on the side in that year um, because really it was the wedding invitation money that is what fueled the collection um, because it's not cheap to go to these shows. No. Um, I mean, you'll, you'll spend, you know, conservatively ten to $15,000 um, to be at one of these shows. And uh, that's a lot of wedding invitations. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So I was doing that. I I was very fortunate and was able to get a part time job um, with kind of actually my dream design firm, um, Stitch Design Company there in Charleston, South Carolina, Mm -hmm. which is about two hours from where I was living in Savannah. Um, But I mean, the opportunity just kind of happened. It was the first outside designer they were ever going to hire um, and I jumped at the chance I, I interviewed and I got the job. And so I drove the two hour, uh, both ways round trip twice a week for that year. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it was hard. It was a beautiful drive. The low country is, is quite lovely, but, um, just the opportunity to learn from them. I wasn't going to pass that up. Um, so it was good. So money was still coming in uh, enough to keep things going. And I was very fortunate in that my husband's job, um, was more than enough for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that took a lot of the pressure off of me, which I think is kind of one of the main reasons I was able to do what I did.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really important point, um, from people hearing outside might just then go, I quit my job and then a year later launched my business. But actually in the meantime, you were still bringing money in actually in multiple ways. Uh, so you've kind of got that bridging period between the two things happening. Yes, definitely. So from looking at, you know, at your website, it seems your husband is, is quite involved in the business.
1: Um, yes and no, <laughs> depends <laughs> on the day. Um, as we talk now, he is actually, uh, in the front of the shop. Uh, we're in the midst of kind of, uh, I don't know redoing the floor changing everything around because mm-hmm. uh, I get bored too easily So he's <laughs> doing all the the heavy lifting right now um, but he's got his own dream job these days um, so I'm very fortunate that he can be here usually when I need him but mm-hmm. as far as the day-to-day operations um, that's more on me and my team right
0: so you started with the stationary show I'm assuming it went well for you
1: it, it did. I went to that show and wanted to just get one account. Um, I had done uh, a series called trade show Camp And um, one of the things the instructor had said was, um, you know, don't be bothered if you don't get any accounts. Um, you know, it's about more than that. It's about networking. It's about getting your name out there. Um, so really for me, I just, I wanted to be seen and mm-hmm. if I could get that one account, it was going to be great. Um, but we walked away with, I think over 50. Um, so it was, yeah, it was good. It brought its own challenges, um, but <laughs> it, it was good. And I, I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the right thing.
0: So at this point in time, was your plan or had you already planned to hire people to help you with production or was it all you still?
1: Uh, it was all me still. Um, my studio at the time was a little, I don't know, 10 by 15 room that I rented from another artist in her home mm-hmm. uh, that she had converted. And um, I remember <laughs> when we got back from the show, it was me and my mom. And we were filling orders um, that we had boxes just lining the hallway <laughs> outside of the room. I was so grateful that my studio mate was out of town <laughs> because clearly <laughs> Boxes were from the front door to the back door, um, and we would literally sit on the floor to pack those orders. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was pretty incredible. I was very fortunate to have my mom, and she's actually still a part of the team even today. Awesome. Uh, she's she's definitely the one that keeps me in line. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, back then, um, really, it was just us. I was handling all of the production on the letterpress cards, mm-hmm. so I mean, everything in the line was, you know, pen to paper, my hand. Um, and then, production-wise, we had the the letterpress cards. Um, in the beginning, we had some gift wrap and tea towels, which I think was one of the reasons we were so successful right out of the gate, is because we didn't look like we were fresh on the block. Right. Uh, we, we, you know, put our best foot forward and. Um, I remember a couple of retailers even coming by and being shocked that it was our first show. Um, so I think that whole presentation is everything. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely matters.
0: So I think that's a really important point because it was kind of a fake it until you make it moment, but not really. Cause you put the work in to make sure that you were ready.
1: Yes. I mean, I, I think all businesses fake it till you make it. And maybe <laughs> I, I, I still feel that way now, even seven years in, um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely just trusting your gut and having the confidence to move forward and, you know, you're going to make mistakes, but that's all right. That's part of it. Um, Just being able to adapt and learn from those mistakes and keep the company moving forward.
0: Absolutely. So moving forward with your story over the next few years, did you focus on wholesale? Did you move into online retail at that point or you were doing both? Were you still doing the winning invitations? How was that all going?
1: Um, no, I moved away from the wedding invitations. Um, brides can tend to be a handful sometimes. (laughs) Um, so I just, I wanted to focus on the collection. Mm -hmm. Um, so we just kind of moved away from that and I focused, um, on wholesale pretty heavily. Uh, we didn't add retail to our website until I think the end of 2014. Okay. Um, so it was. A, it was a couple of years later. Um, it was really just all about wholesale, trying to you know build the brand as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we landed some big accounts early on. Uh, Store Paper Source. It's a pretty big paper chain. So, I mean, it was big for our little company. And um, keeping up with wholesale was was enough. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you moved, uh, you know, you moved into the online retail and then fast forward a few more years, I believe, was it 2018, you actually opened a brick and mortar?
1: We did. It was, um, at the end of July last year, um, it was actually on my 30th birthday. So (laughs) So, yeah, it was, I wanted to avoid the birthday and I felt like that was a good way to, (laughs) to kick it off. Um, so, um, In the time that I've had the company, I've actually had several large moves. Um, So when I launched the company, we were in Savannah, Georgia, um, which is where I had gone to school and where I met my husband, um, who was stationed there at the time. But he separated from the military in the summer of 2013, Mm -hmm. um, so a year after I had launched the company, and decided that he wanted to go back to school. Um, so that brought us to Texas, um, which I'm originally from Texas. So okay. I was all for coming back home. Um, so we were there for um, I think about five years, and then he got he graduated, got his dream job um, in San Antonio, which is about three hours from where we were. Um, so the company has moved several <laughs> times, but I I knew. I had seen this shift happening in the industry, you know, so much of sales and and direct to consumer is is everything right now. I mean, you obviously Amazon rules the world Mm -hmm. quite literally, whether we like it or not. Um, So I felt like wholesale, it was not going to be able to be the driving force behind my business anymore. Um, Just kind of seeing where the numbers were and uh, you know, we have our online shop and it does okay, but I don't, consider those numbers when we do our budgeting Mm -hmm. because you just never know when the next sale is going to come in. Um, so all that money is kind of gravy, so to Mm -hmm. speak. Um, so for me, I just felt like, um, to quote, um, another podcast that I like how I built this uh, Kendra Scott's episode. She talked about needing to do something radical, um, when they were going through the recession, and that's kind of how I felt Mm -hmm. about our business too. um, you know, I was making this big move from College Station to San Antonio, which didn't matter much for my wholesale clients, but I wanted to become a part of this community and, you know, owning a little shop had always kind of been in the back of my mind and I felt like if I was going to do it, now was the time. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's probably a little crazy in <laughs> hindsight that I was moving to a completely new city to me where I knew no one and was going to open this store. Um and just hope for the best <laughs> and how it's been almost a year now How's it been going? Um, it's an adventure. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, the, the nice way to put it, <laughs> you know, it's, it truly is like I added a second business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the retail that I'd done before online, you know, kind of went hand in hand with the wholesale, you know, we just had one inventory for everything and it was fine. Um, we could, we could handle it, but having the shop, I mean, with retail hours, somebody has to be there, you know, 10 AM to 6 PM every day. Yeah. Um, and whether that was me or if I was going to have a team, um, and I knew there was no way I could do this alone. Um, I, I didn't have the bandwidth for that. I don't think anybody has the bandwidth for that. So no. very fortunate to hire a wonderful shop manager, um, who came to me, uh, she actually saw our announcement that we were moving to San Antonio. i going to be opening a shop, um, on Instagram mm-hmm. and she just reached out on a whim. Um, and the timing just happened to be perfect. Um, so I got very fortunate and she had been the manager at like a restoration hardware and an anthropology and all of these major places that I really admired. So she brought all of this retail knowledge and experience to the table, um, and I've got the wholesale background, so mm. kind of combining those two things together. Um, it's been a really great partnership. Um, and I still get my weekends off, which is also very <laughs> wonderful um, and important, too, for my sanity. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been a lot. I mean... There's a, so much that goes in the day to day of running a shop, mm-hmm. and I, I am fortunate in that she does a lot of that as far as you know maintaining the inventory in the store. Um, I'm still involved, like with the displays and the ordering of new product, mm-hmm. and um, you know the days that she has off, I'm the one that's here and that sort of thing. So um, definitely still very involved, but I knew I could not do it alone, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Um, and it's you know every month it grows. Mm-hmm. It's that whole part of that craziness of moving to a new city and not knowing anyone, well, no one knows the brand either. Unfortunately. So um, we're in a great area. There's um, not as much foot traffic as I had initially had hoped that we were going to get for where we are Mm -hmm. and at least for, for what we're paying (laughs) in rent. But um, it's, it's building, you know, as the community is learning about who we are and what we do um, we've added workshops to the shop as well. So every end there's you know some sort of activity going on which brings people in that we might not have otherwise had Um, so I think it's good I think it's just kind of about hanging on and being smart um, with the finances and just strategic and Mm -hmm. you know hoping every day is better than the last
0: (laughs) (laughs) so have there been any kind of surprises things you didn't anticipate about the process of opening a brick and mortar shop
1: um, I think I vastly underestimated how expensive it is. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, and someone had told me, don't go too far into debt on your build-out and getting things open because it's so hard to buy that back down. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely understanding that fully mm-hmm. now. Unfortunately, too little too late. Um, so it's just having to be creative. You know, payroll is very expensive. Mm-hmm. We have a very small staff, but... Um, you know, I've got one full-time manager and then I think three part, very part-time girls. Um, but that's a huge chunk of my overhead every month. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, budgeting out and really being careful cause it's easy to overspend each month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just having to plan and that's where mom comes in. Thankfully, she's the <laughs> one that watches the numbers <laughs> and, and yells at me when things are getting too close. So, um, it's, you've definitely got to know your numbers and be really smart about what you're doing. And always easy. Um, you know, the shop is not just our product. We have other people's product as well. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, you're having to purchase that inventory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly don't know how people have shops where they don't make anything because I mean, on things I make, I have great margins. Yeah. Uh, but I can't imagine doing this solely buying from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you'd ever make any money. So it's, It's been a very eye-opening experience. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I would probably do things maybe a little different next Mm -hmm. time, but I think everybody says that about everything. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) It's always a learning curve, isn't it? For sure. (laughs) So what do you think – I'm just going to kind of broaden things out now. What do you think has been one of the biggest challenges you've overcome in your business journey so far?
1: Um, I mean, there's so many to choose from. It's, you know, I think I thought seven years in we'd be in a better place than we are now. Mm-hmm. Not that we're not in a good place. It's just, I think when you imagine your future, of course, everything is all roses and you know, you're swimming in money or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not like that by any means. I mean, it's still a struggle. Um, and definitely. Just seeing a shift, you know, in the industry, like what I talked about earlier, it's you've got to be able to be quick on your feet. It's like, okay, if wholesale is not doing well this month, you know, we need retail to kind of um, bridge that gap. And so there's definitely an ebb and flow there. But so much of business is just numbers and, and money. As as much as I hate that, mm. um, you know, it's it's not all just make things and be happy. <laughs> um, the numbers for me have have been tough. You know, I have a vision that I want to stick to no matter what. And unfortunately I can't always afford <laughs> that mission. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been hard, especially in the last year, you know, I think before um, we had the retail space with wholesale, it was easier. We had very little overhead. Yeah. Um, we were in, College Station, um, the first floor of where we were living was my studio. So I had no, you know, rent to speak of. Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of payroll because I had a couple girls come in maybe a few hours a week just to do packaging or something like that. But as far as overhead goes, I really didn't have very much. And so I went from having nothing essentially to having, you know, obnoxious amounts due every (laughs) month for for rent and, and payroll. So, I mean, it was a huge shift and just it's not you know if i sell a five dollar card in my shop i didn't make five dollars yeah you know i i only made half of that because the other half goes to pay for that inventory so out of the half i have left well i've got to pay the rent and the bills and the payroll so it's just it it goes away very quickly Mm -hmm. um so i think just kind of learning how to adapt uh, has been a big challenge i'm not quite sure that we've overcome it yet Mm -hmm. um I, I don't know that that's one that maybe ever goes away. Um, but I mean, we're, we're learning, we're, we're doing what we can for sure. I think this is very
0: useful for people listening because I think pretty much all of us who have a creative business in the back of our minds somewhere have this idea of having a cute little shop one day, right?
1: <laughs> like... I think I think that is a thing. It really
0: is. <laughs> Where you can make it look all pretty and have all your stuff in there and put your favourite other maker's stuff in there and, you know, create a vision in reality rather than just a virtual one, which is what most of us do these days. Um And I think while we sort of have a bit of an idea of the fact that, oh yeah, it's going to cost a bit of money hearing sort of the reality of that, I think is extremely useful for anyone who's actually considering doing it. Um, Yeah.
1: It's, it is definitely not a decision to go into lightly. Um, I I hear it a lot in my industry, um, you know, like, oh, I'll just have a little retail shop in the front of my studio and you know, it'll be great. And it's like, okay, that's, that's a nice thought, but that is not reality. (laughs) at all because you know, if you every time someone walks through that door, you know, you've got to stop what you're doing and go help them. Yeah. Um, or you have to pay somebody to be there to help them. Well, every time you do that, that costs money. Um, but if you're the one doing that, you're not getting your other work done. Mm -hmm. So it's just um it's a lot to take on. Um and I know a lot of shop owners, they do it themselves for a really long time just because payroll is so expensive. But I mean that's that's really hard to be on day in and day out. I mean, you, if you're having a bad day, you really can't let that onto your customers because that's going to rub off onto them and then they're not going to want to buy with you. Um, so it's a lot. And I think for me, I may have foolishly bought into this notion that if I create this beautiful space, they will come. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, unfortunately not been the reality. Now, when I get people through the door, I mean, you know, their jaws drop and it's like, wow, where is, where am I? What is this place? Where have you been my whole life? But (laughs) getting them through that door, you know, literally and metaphorically, it's just, it's a, a lot of effort that I don't know that people necessarily realize. Um, And I mean, I'm probably, you know, up against a higher wall than some people because I was in a new city and I don't have that community to back me right out the gate. But um, unfortunately, just making something pretty isn't good enough anymore.
0: No, and I think people online as well have discovered that, you know, you can can make the best products in the world, but if you're not getting people in the door, nobody's going to buy anything. Exactly. So, how, let's talk about marketing for a bit because you you went from wholesale, so that was you know doing trade shows and I guess reaching out that way to online retail and now to brick and mortar. What are your sort of main marketing channels that you're using these days?
1: Um, I mean, we're still relying pretty heavily on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's not as good as it used to be like everybody says you know when it was all chronological and wonderful um but you know it it still helps Uh, we have a lot of customers that come in and say oh i saw you on instagram so it's nice to to hear that and feel validated um, as far as where we're putting our efforts um so definitely facebook and instagram have played a big role we do have um, email marketing that we do. So anytime someone comes in the shop, we always try to capture that information. That way we can email them about you know upcoming sales in events or workshops, that sort of thing. Um, which, I mean, I think maybe that list right now is around 500, which is still very small, but I mean, that's 500 people right here in San Antonio that I can target um, when I've got something going on. So mm-hmm. definitely email marketing is still important. Um, it's a lot of word of mouth has really been probably the most helpful thing, which is kind of frustrating because you can't really do anything about that <laughs> um, other than just provide wonderful service, Yeah, um, which I think we do. Um, so a lot of it just takes time. Um, we've recently started dabbling in paid advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, mostly on social. Um, I haven't seen a ton of success, success with it yet, but we're very early on in playing with that. Um, So I'm hoping to kind of see a little bit more there. Um, But we also have gone off after a lot of free opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, So whether that's, um, you know, the local media coming out and doing a story on us for the news or, you know, um, the local magazines doing something like we've tried to have at least one press feature a month just to help keep our name out there as Mm -hmm. much as possible. And I think that's been really helpful but it is a constant grind. I, I don't know that you ever really get to stop <laughs> no. I mean, out of sight, out of mind. So you, you definitely need to, to stay in front of people as much as possible.
0: Yeah. Marketing is definitely, a, you know, to be successful at it, you have to be religiously consistent at it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's constantly changing too. Mm-hmm. One thing, you know, something that worked last week may not work this week. Um, so you kind of always got to be on your toes and, Uh, It can be a little frustrating at times for sure, but um, it's definitely important because, I mean, like we said, you can have the most beautiful place in the world, but if no one knows about it, it doesn't really matter.
0: Let's talk for a minute about the realities of having a creative business because I think a lot of people have this dream that, and I try to dissuade them from this idea as much as possible, (laughs) this idea that you'll just be making pretty things all day and that, you know, you'll get to do what you want when you (laughs) want it
1: oh Um, such a myth
0: yeah (laughs) so could you give us a ballpark figure of how much time you actually spend
1: these days like creating um i don't sure uh i don't think i've done any this year if that counts yeah um you know, the whole reason we start these businesses is because we're creative people and we we want to, you know, spend time making. And unfortunately the reality is, you know, you're lucky if that's even 10% of what you do anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, usually when you're running a small business, you're the one wearing all the hats, you know, you're wearing the creative hat, the accounting hat, the marketing hat, you know, you've got all of these different avenues and Unfortunately, the creative usually falls to the bottom of the totem pole mm. um, because all the other things have to get done first. Um, so usually, what happens for me is when it's time to launch new products, or you know, maybe a few months before that time, um, it's like, okay, this week I need to knock out 30 new card designs. <laughs> like I have to put, you know, a deadline on it, and it ends up becoming this almost like mass produce. I mean, that doesn't sound quite right, but it's just, you have to literally carve time into your calendar. Like this is what I'm doing. This is the deadline I'm on. Um, otherwise it just doesn't get done Yeah. Uh, because there's always a fire that's going to need to be put out. There's always something else that needs your attention. Um, so yeah, the creative is definitely a, a very tiny part of anything <laughs> anymore.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just go that myself, you know, once business all picked up and I had stuff going on, I'm like, when's the last time I made a new jewelry design? Oh, my God, I can't even remember.
1: Yeah, I I've, I, don't know. I mean, we're going a little bit through a shift right now. Um, when we first launched the company, there was kind of a, a Southern inspired take on mm-hmm. it, um, like through phrases and things. Um, and we've we've definitely moved away from that in the, in the years since but there is still this perception I think with our customers and in the marketplace that that's who we are. So I'm kind of trying to figure out, okay, how how can we combat that perception? Mm -hmm. And I, I've done it in the shop. Like I think the shop is kind of the goal of where I want to be with the brand as a whole. Mm -hmm. So it's trying to figure out how to take that feeling that we've created in the brick and mortar and translate that to our wholesale customers or to our online customers. Um, so it's been a really interesting challenge. Um, but again, you know, that's a business hat. That's not a creative yeah. one. Um, but I have been fortunate to find other creative outlets. Um, I may not be, you know, designing a new card or product. But, you know, even just the displays in the shop, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's a good creative outlet for me. Um, so I'm thankful for that. But yeah, as far as the, the actual reason we started these businesses, <laughs> I don't know the last time. <laughs> and with that in mind
0: would you do it all again?
1: Oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah. I would. (laughs) I mean, that whole saying that an entrepreneur will work 80 hours to avoid Mm -hmm. working 40 hours a week. (laughs) I mean, that is so true. Um, I mean, and you know, the days where it's really hard and I'm just wondering, you know, I I can't do this anymore. Like we just need to throw in a towel and it's like, I I can't go work for somebody else at this (laughs) point. Like I'm, there's no way I, am I'm the boss. So. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it's, it's definitely not easy and it's definitely not for everyone and that's okay.
0: Yeah. I think people maybe don't know at the beginning how much business work there is. I mean, do you think, do you think you have to basically, you have to love business to be able to do this? Well, you have you to be, have to
1: love, yeah, you have to love it or you have to have someone that works for you that loves yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate my mom is more the numbers person. And mm-hmm. so she's kind of our, um, I don't know, operations manager or chief financial officer, whatever you want to call it. Um, all of those things yep. rolled into one. And, and I'm very grateful for that because if I had to do the numbers too on top of it, like I, I'd i be in a ball in the corner crying. Mm-hmm. Like I, I am not the numbers person. I'm still aware of everything yep. um, because she makes sure that I know what's going on, but um, you know, I, and I think that's also knowing your strengths. Because um, mm. really, it's not realistic for you to do everything, maybe in the beginning, but mm. at some point, you've got to learn to delegate and be able to accept help. Um, and that's the only way your business is going to grow. Absolutely. So, what do you think it is about,
0: you know, having your own business that is so appealing that we, and I'm exactly the same, that we wouldn't ever want to go back to a job?
1: Uh, I think the illusion of flexibility is <laughs> 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 definitely an illusion uh, the, this idea that we get to make our own schedules and we can, you know, go one. its totally fine. Um, you know, I, I think it's that idea of being your own boss and mm-hmm. getting to call the shots. Um, but there's a lot of pressure from that too. Yes. Um, so there it's definitely a double-edged sword. Um, but I, th- I think it's just, you know, I don't know, as creatives, I think we don't like taking orders, so to speak, from other people. <laughs> um, even with wedding invitations, you know, doing something creative, at the end of the day, it didn't matter if I knew this font was the right choice. The bride's going to make that decision. yeah So even though that's a creative outlet in and of itself, like you're not the one calling the final shots. So being able to have this line, I I'm the final say. And I mean for better or worse, you know, if a product completely flops, well, that's definitely on you. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think just that that freedom and knowing that it is on you uh, for better or worse and, and maybe a little bit of that flexibility if you can manage it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, let's
0: talk a little bit about the rest of your life. So I'm imagining over the time your business has grown, your work-life balance, so to speak, has uh, evolved, let's say. What does it look like now and compared to what it might've looked like five years ago?
1: Well, um, so I have kind of an interesting situation. So when I launched in May of 2012, um, my husband had just left, um, the month prior to go overseas for a year, right? So I, and we don't have children at this time. Well, we don't have them now, but so it was just me, in this mode of, you know, getting my collection launched, and I was allowed to be a workaholic because there was no one <laughs> to tell me to stop. Right. Um, so <laughs> maybe that was the reason we were so successful in the beginning. I don't know um, <laughs> because I never stopped. Um, so that first year, I I worked all the time, um, literally all the time. Um, I took I think two breaks to go see him. He was in South Korea, um, so I went and spent a couple of weeks there. Um, once over the summer and once at Christmas, but you know, I had my laptop in tow, so I was still working the whole time. It just meant no orders were going out. Um, but I had a hard time breaking that habit Mm -hmm. because I was so ingrained in everything all the time for that first year of the company to move out of that was really difficult for me. Um, so when he got back um, and separated from the military, um, it was kind of an entirely new transition for us and um, our marriage and just me with the business because we moved to Texas. He's a full-time student at this point. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have regular hours. You know, he's not gone nine to five. It's well, whenever he had class. Yeah. So, I mean, it. I had a little bit more normal hours then just because he was around so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I would probably work nine to five, nine to six um, every day. Um, in my studio but the studio was at home so a lot of times you know if he's working on homework or a project or something it was my chance to escape down to the studio and keep working Um, so I mean old habits die hard Um, interestingly enough I think having the shop now I have more of a work-life balance than I ever did Hmm. which is kind of the opposite for most people and I think I can credit that to the fact that I have this amazing team Um, so my shop manager you know she gets two days off during the week. Um, so I'm usually here by myself those days or I might have a part-time helper, but by her being off during the week, it allows me to be off on the weekend. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's nice to kind of pretend I have that normal nine to five, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I I don't think my brain ever stops. Yeah. But I think that's true of, of most creatives. I mean, in the middle of the night, you'll wake up with some random idea that you have to write down and, um, but it's, it's definitely been about balance and, and kind of figuring things out and knowing what season that we're in um, and just going with the flow.
0: So I'm assuming that the shop is kind of going to, the plan is that to be your focus for the next few years, probably. But is there anything, is there anything beyond that that you really want to achieve?
1: Um, honestly, I don't know yet. I, I was, I was never very good about, um, goal planning <laughs> beyond, uh, th- in fact, I didn't even write a business plan, I think until year five or six, um, which is terrible and you should not do that. You <laughs> should write it. <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, the only reason I even did was I think my bank required it to, to get right. the line of credit to open the shop. But, um, you know, I, I think just seeing the shop be successful uh, is really kind of my focus right now. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, I would love to be able to own my own building. Right now, we we rent um, in a development with a lot of other shops, and so much of our income goes toward that rent. Uh, So that's a little frustrating every month. um, I love the idea of finding an old gas station somewhere and and converting that into our space and being a a destination shop. Um, which I knew we couldn't do from the beginning, you know, being new to San Antonio, I, I needed to be somewhere we would get found and discovered. Um, so we're, we've got to build that community right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do hope that some someday down the road we can have our own space um, and still do just fine.
0: That sounds pretty awesome, having like a <laughs> kind of destination shop. I love those places. So looking back on what you've achieved so far, uh, what would be a piece of advice you give other makers about their business?
1: Um, I mean, I would say it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> That's like my favorite saying ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's so true though. And it, it was a mistake that I made early on, um, actually going to that very first show. Um, I was so focused on just get to the show, launch the collection. Like that was literally my singular focus. And it didn't dawn on me that, okay, I'm going to this show to take orders. Well, what happens when I get home? I have to actually, like, I actually have to fill those orders. Um, and what I, don't ask me how, I guess, it was truly focused. But I didn't realize, oh my goodness, to make all this inventory, I need money. Because mm. I used every dime I had to get to that show. And I, I think we needed to make around $20,000 worth of product after we got back <laughs> to be able to fill those orders. And that was $20,000 I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, I, I think it's a little bit of that planning, having that vision, looking forward. Okay, it's like, that's fine that you have this, this goal of get to, you know, point A or whatever, but make sure that you're planning for how you get from point A to point B too. Yes. Um, because otherwise you're going to be dead in the water before you even get started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
0: think having that sort of a vision that doesn't go far enough can sometimes get people into trouble. Sure. Yeah. Um, do you have, uh, happen to have a quote with you to share with us today. Um, I mean, I think that was probably
1: it. I do have one written in my planner right now. Uh, that I wrote last week. And now I'm going to blank. I'm not going to get it quite right. Um, It's from Tracy Ellis Ross. And it's just talking about um, not letting where you are hold you back from where you want to be. I don't remember the exact words, but it's absolutely lovely the way that she wrote it. And it just really resonated with me. Um, because I have such a tendency to, to get caught up in, in the day-to-day and not celebrate the little successes and the small things, mm-hmm. but really we should. Um, so I just felt like, okay, this is my mantra for yep. now.
0: <laughs> Do you think sometimes we don't kind of take that next step because we get stuck in who we think we are?
1: I think very much so. And I think it's maybe even something I'm struggling with right now, uh, you know I, for so long we've been seen as this you know southern based company and it was our identity but really I know that I've grown away from that and the company's grown away from that um, but I don't know how to make other people realize <laughs> that we're not there anymore so it's it's been a little bit of an existential crisis mm-hmm. in a way um, so it's it's a bit of a challenge and I'm going to take us just yet Uh, I mean there are some days when I'm like all right we're discontinuing everything in the line and we're starting from scratch uh, which is probably insane but I've definitely had that thought more than a few (laughs) times Um, but I mean I think you just have to be willing to to go with the flow and let things take you where they're going to and and trust that you know you you made it this far Mm. Um, so just to keep going
0: I love that Meg thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with us where should people go to find you and find out more about bell and union
1: sure so our website is bellandunion.com um, we are on instagram and twitter and facebook and all those great things um, that you have to keep up with these days <laughs> um, that's bell and union co um, and if you're ever in san antonio texas we'd love for you to stop by the brick and mortar um, we're in the quarry village neighborhood
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
1: Thank you so very much for having me.
0: I really enjoyed that talk with Meg. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as well. I've got a whole bunch of awesome interviews coming up for you over the next few weeks. So stay tuned for those. And If you enjoyed this episode and found value in it or any other episode of the show, I would absolutely love it if you would share it with your community. So share it on your Instagram stories, share it in a Facebook group that you're part of. I'd really like to get the word out to as many people as possible uh, so they can access this free resource that I put out into the world and it would mean a lot to me. So thank you to everybody who's done that and uh, go ahead and share it with your community. You can just take a screenshot and pop it on your Instagram stories. Or if you're watching on uh, watching, listening on something like Spotify, there's actually a share button that allows you to share it directly to your stories in a nice, fancy way. It's pretty cool. So check that out. Thank you so much for listening and being here with me again for another episode of the show. I will be back again next week and goodbye for now.